Hi, it's Tony Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, inviting you to subscribe to our other podcast called The Grave Talks. It's where I sit down and interview individuals who've had extreme paranormal situations happen to them in their lives. Just search The Grave Talks on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Be sure to press subscribe and give us some stars to help spread the word that this show exists. Now, here's a 15-minute preview of The Grave Talks. Today on The Grave Talks, Ghosts of World War II. Who are the ghosts of World War II? World War II, of course, is one of the most defining times of the last century. Countless lives lost, families destroyed, mental sanity pushed beyond its limits. With so much mental anguish expelled in such a short period of time, is it any wonder that the areas physically affected by this point in history remain a hotbed for paranormal activity? Are there still soldiers, spirits out there, unaware that the war has ended? Or are these ghosts of World War II, seen by the living today, simply a residual display and replay of this horrific time in human history? Today on The Grave Talks, we're going to talk with Matthew L. Swaney, author of the book Haunted World War II, about the ghosts of World War II. But it's, a, it's a bit of a long story that I have to take back uh, to birth because okay. I was born on Halloween. So that's what really kicked off the whole, this whole kind of side career for <laughs> me. Um, so basically, I, I was born on Halloween. I loved ghost stories. I loved, uh, you know, monster movies and, and everything um, throughout, uh, ever since I could remember. But one thing that happened to me was I became a journalist. Uh, and... Every year, I would try to come up with a, a decent Halloween feature story. And one year, I decided to do local ghost legends. And I'm, I'm from a town called Tyrone, Pennsylvania. It's in central PA. And so I started uh, just kind of looking around for ghost lore and ghost stories. And I got some local ghost stories. And I, I live, I actually work at Penn State. And I lived near Penn State at the time. So I found some ghost stories about uh, university uh, ghosts and, and haunted buildings at Penn State. So I added that to the story. And what I really wasn't expecting was the reaction that I got, I would say, of all the stories that I wrote during that you know five-year period uh, at the local newspaper. That was probably one of my most popular. And I was a little amazed at how people would come uh, off the street or, or in a restaurant in a bar and start telling me their ghost story. And so something kind of clicked with me and I thought, you know, I like the subject matter. I, I like to write. I'm going to start collecting these stories. And that's, that's really what I've done for the past 10 years is collect stories and compile them and put them into different, uh, different volumes. This one in particular, I, I wrote a book about university ghost stories, and then I did two books on rock and roll ghost stories, one on country music uh, ghost stories, and I was looking around for something else to kind of connect what I like to write about and what I like to research, and I really like military history, 
I have a minor in history, so uh, I originally thought I would write a volume of Civil War ghost stories because I'm a Civil War buff. But what I found out was that 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 territory has been so well written about, and I didn't think I could really bring anything or add anything to it. So I just decided I would start looking at whether there were uh, whether this uh, phenomena of ghost stories and tales of haunting and forty and occurrences also carried over to World War II, and I found out that it, indeed it did. Now, when you started jumping into investigating ghost stories of World War II, where did you think it was going to lead you? Were you just planning on this would just be stuff that, you know, people had come back and, and they're, they've taken things with them? Were you planning that, oh, this is going to end up taking stories, you know, overseas? What was what was kind of in your mind at the beginning there? Yeah, that's a, that is a really great question because I really followed the model of some of the Civil War ghost books that I like and I read, which was mainly battlefield ghosts. So mm -hmm. I, I started out basically thinking that, well, uh, Battle of the Bulge, Normandy, uh, the Eastern Front, all of those areas, I, I started to check out those stories first. But what I found is that um, World War II is really the first actual global conflict. So you had battlefields all around the world. You had you know, there are haunted uh, battlefields in Okinawa, in Iwo Jima, and it's also in the, in the places where I assume there were going to be ghost stories like uh, Russia and also Normandy. But the other thing that I, I really wasn't counting on is as I got deeper is not only are we talking about a land conflict, we're also talking about a sea conflict. So that started to raise questions in my own mind. I wonder if there are any haunted battleships. And of course, I've I heard stories uh, earlier about some of these uh, ghost ships that, or some of these ships that uh, were brought back and now serve as museums. So I started investigating that. And sure enough, there were lots of ghost stories that based on um, ships and warships, battleships, aircraft carriers that were in the war itself. Uh, the other thing that I was fairly weirded out about was that. Uh, World War II also has this third dimensional aspect of it because there were planes in the air. And so I knew about Foo Fighters, but what I didn't know is that uh, there are actually ghost planes. And these are not, you know, ghosts in a plane, but the plane itself is uh, is a spectral uh, entity that, that people have seen or at least have uh, claimed to have witnessed. So that was the general way I approached it. It started out just looking at land battles. But then I added on to it, and I should add that this is one of the first books I've written where I've also looked at some of these 40-in occurrences, like synchronicities, and uh, I looked into what I called the magical uh, battle of World War II, where different side, different occult powers on different sides were, were kind of waging war against each other. So it was almost like a spiritual battle, too. So it ended up being, as far as I'm concerned, a lot more... Uh, interesting for me and a lot more involved and a lot more broad and deep than had I gone for that that Civil War book. Sure, sure. Tell me about w when you started investigating this stuff, who were the type of people that were sharing their ghost stories with you? Well, I always, I usually go towards uh, written accounts. So I'm basically compiling accounts 
And as a journalist, I know that once you enter your story in print, you uh, it does give you a little bit of credibility. So I do look at uh, blogs, uh, newspapers, magazines, other books. And then I started to reach out to ghost hunters because they always give me some good stories. Plus, you know, I think that uh, they become pretty credible uh, sources too. The other thing I should add is that I also look at these stories as uh, ghost lore, which is a manifestation of folklore that involves involves ghosts. So some of the stories I would say are actually this kind of ghost lore that these ghost stories uh, morph into uh, ghost lore around that surround these areas. So that's another kind of aspect that I look for. And mainly those those stories you'll find in in books about it or local papers, magazines, etc. And I want to talk about several of the, the, the topics that have been focused on several of the chapters that you talk about in the book. Before I get there, though, another question I had about just kind of the curation of this book and putting it together. Uh, when, when you had some of these stories put together about um, some locations that, that are still visitable, that are still in existence uh, or or. or what, what have you. Um, did you ever have any conversations with any of the vets, you know, from that time that experienced World War II and fought in it firsthand? Did you ever hear any stories directly from them? Because I know historically and just, you know, speaking, that's usually not necessarily ghosts, but just speaking of what happened during the war is sometimes a, it has been a difficult thing for a lot of them to talk about with, you know, very, very understandably. Right. So that certainly plays a role in it, I'm sure. The the second thing is that the number of World War II vets, as I was doing this book, had dwindled down to to just a few, you know, so I didn't have a chance to reach out to them. What I did find was that the vets didn't have as many stories as the tourists, as the people who visit these sites, as the residents who live there, the vacationers. That's where most of these stories seem to pop up. Okay. Uh, you know, I guess at the time, maybe some of these uh, World War II vets were uh, experienced some World War One ghost stories, but but not from World War II. Sure. Uh, you know, I, I did add some stories in there about um, General Patton's encounter with the ghost of his ancestors in World War One. Some of those stories did crop up, but no, I didn't have a chance to actually sit down with any. Yeah. World War II vets, you know, uh, now that I remember that I did my probably second uh, most popular story when I uh, worked at the paper was the, I think it was the 50th anniversary of D-Day. And I talked to a lot of vets there. That would have been a perfect opportunity for me to see if they had any of these encounters. It's one of those things where it's, you know, unfortunately, as time passes and, and as so many of them, as we lose them, you look back going, huh. I, I wish yeah. I, I had some of this information then to ask them some of those questions. Right. Let's right. Uh, let's start talking about some of the uh, the chapters in the book, some of the things that uh, that you learned about. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just let's start out with uh, you know some of the ones that I know you had noted um, about the uh, the USS Lexington and the seemingly that there, there's there's a ghost on there from that time that appears to want to be employed and, and give tours. Let's talk about that. Right. Yeah. So uh, the USS Lexington was uh, now it's uh, kind of supernatural history starts right away because it was nicknamed the Blue Ghost. Uh, 
And they, the Japanese uh, soldiers and sailors named it the Blue Ghost because they had thought they sunk it, and all of a sudden uh, the Lexington was back, and it would pop up in the in the most uh, bizarre fashion. Uh, so that's how it got the nickname the Blue Ghost. Now the ghost stories uh, happened as uh, they brought back uh, the Lexington back to the United States, and it serves as a a. Uh, museum boat and you know as a matter of fact you can take uh, tours of it and uh, according to one family uh, one group of witnesses they said that uh, you know they went on to take a take a tour and uh, they noticed right away that the the tour guide was in uniform like in a naval uniform and I'm sure they had questions about that because usually they're not in this this naval uniform. Uh, but this go this uh, tour guide took them on a tour of the the boat and showed them all the different uh, parts of the ship. And then uh, they also described him as being blonde-haired and blue-eyed. And they said that uh, eventually he just vanished. And they asked uh, some other people, you know, who was this great tour guide? What a great tour it was! Turns out. Uh, they had nobody under that uh, description uh, as a tour guide. And the other thing is there's a, a, a raft of other uh, stories about that um, where people have seen this uh, blue hair or blonde haired, blue eyed uh, sailor on on the Lexington. And that's given rise to this uh, notion of the ghost of Charlie that haunts uh, the USS Lexington. We had a, a gentleman on the show, um, probably about 50 episodes back or so, who gives tours on the Lexington. And, and he gave us his accounts of, of all the ghost stories uh, that are on that boat. And what's, what's interesting to me about that boat is the fact that from, from his accounts, he said there, there's not anything negative on here. He said, I, I, I love, this is paraphrasing, but he loves being on there. He, he almost joked about becoming a ghost someday himself and haunting the boat. He loved it so much uh, and being a part of it. And he always says that he, he felt like everything that's on there very much wants to be there and is not in any sort of dismay or, or, or sadness, but they're there and they seem to be doing what they, they want to be doing. Yeah, I would. Well, first of all, maybe that'll give me a sequel if he does go back and, and haunts the, <laughs> the uh, Lexington. But uh, also, I would say, especially with the uh, ghosts that appear on this the ships, uh, they definitely seem to be more, uh, you know, a lot, uh, not very negative. All all of these uh, seem to be more positive hauntings. Uh. I hope you enjoyed your 15-minute preview of our new podcast, The Grave Talks. Be sure to subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you download podcasts to not miss any episode of the show. New episodes every single Monday. Just search for The Grave Talks and then press subscribe. Give us a review while you're at it and some stars that will help us grow in the rankings and let other folks know that the show exists to make an even better show for you. The Grave Talks. Check it out at thegravetalks.com. Worried about keeping up with your fave friends all summer? Or posting every perfectly pink sunset you see? Don't sweat the connect. You can have it made in the shade with four lines of unlimited data for $100 a month. Scroll the staycation pics, find your new go-to takeout spot, or catch some rays on video chat. Whatever you and the crew are into, all the data makes it all that much better. Smile. 
You're on Cricket. Cricket Core acquired on four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply. 